0: Hey, this is Matthew's Table podcast channel. We wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and reminds you of who you are, but more importantly, whose you are. Concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. So let a person examine themselves then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. And the reason I share that verse with you is because um, communion is a a sacred time for the Christian who's been born again, who's believed on Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins, and and is a true believer in Christ. Okay, and so if you're here this morning and you're a true believer in Jesus, I just would ask you just to take a second, um, examine your heart, examine yourself. If there's sin that's unconfessed in your life, um, if there's something that you're struggling with, you're worrying about, you're anxious about, I, I would just ask you to consider those things, um, and, and God will forgive those things. Um, find rest in that. And I'm going to give you just a few seconds to do that. Um, and then as I read, the it, it'll be almost as if they're instructions for you to take uh, the elements. So again, just take a second. Okay, for I receive from the Lord do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, kind of a quick transition, but uh, I'm getting ready to make a few announcements, but. As I'm doing that, um, Byron is going to help. We're going to pass out uh, our dollar ministry plates. For those of you guys who don't know, I think most everybody in here does know, but we do a dollar ministry here at Matthew's Table. Uh, That dollar ministry is just collecting dollar bills from each service, and we use that money to try to help and serve and love on people in our community um, in a time when, honestly, it's been a little bit difficult to do that. And so this is just a real practical way for you to give of yourself and to, um, to love on other people. To give you just a, an idea, last, last week the dollar ministry money went to uh, provide a, a woman's rent. She's staying at True North, which is a, uh, it's a transitional living program here in town, and that money went towards paying her rent. So she was able to, to um, have a home, right? So we were able to, to help with that. So... Um, Again, as the baskets are being passed around, I'm just going to make a few quick announcements. Uh, We have a marriage ministry here at Matthew's Table, for those of you who don't know. And this is a time where I really, it's important that we we listen. A lot of the things that we announce here at Matthew's Table are from this pulpit. And so um, if you've got a bulletin, you may want to write these things down. And honestly, some of this stuff may be on the back of that. Um, But our our marriage ministry, uh, it's actually, uh, it's this upcoming Monday night, right? So tomorrow night. It's gonna be at 6 p.m. If you're, if you're married, obviously, uh, I would suggest that you go. It's a time where you can be intentional with your marriage. You can, um, you'll learn. Uh, for the husbands, you'll learn how to be a better husband, right? For the wives, you'll learn how to be better wives, um, how to honor Christ in your marriage. And so, again, that's tomorrow at 6 p.m. If you're not married, but you're thinking about getting married, or you're in a serious relationship, um, and if you're in a serious relationship and you're not thinking about getting married, then you're probably really not in a serious relationship. You're just playing house. Um, but I, w- I would say, if again, if you're, um, if you're thinking about getting married, I would recommend this. And that's tomorrow night at 6 p.m., uh, Joe Welsh and Angel Welsh, they lead our marriage ministry. They do a great job. Um, and so you'd be blessed by that. Also, um, we have a, a night of prayer coming up. Um, it's going to be Friday, May 7th. Um, so just jot that down. There'll be a few more announcements probably in the next week about that. But May 7th, we're going to have a night of prayer. That's Friday, May 7th. And then something I'm really excited about and I'm looking forward to. It's something we haven't done here at Matthew's Table in the three years we've been uh, a a church, a body of believers. But our Mother's Day service, uh, which is going to be on May 9th, we're going to be having our first baby dedication service uh, that morning. Now, it's maybe, it's not bad news for you guys, because most of the people who come to the 830 service are, are 830 service people, right? Now, the baby dedication service that morning, that's going to be only at the 1045 service. So you, if you have a child from the age of basically one day through 24 months, we would love for you to uh, get with Jessica Lee, um, and if you don't have her contact information, get with me after the service. I'd be happy to get that to you. And we're just going to... Uh, we're going to dedicate those children, and, and really, that's, uh, that's just a time for us as a body of believers. We're coming around those children, and we're saying that as a family, okay, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're going to come alongside those parents, and we're going to come alongside those children, and we're going to ensure that they're being taught the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they're brought up in the way um, of God, right? So that's what we're going to be doing um, that morning again. That's May 9th, ten forty-five service. So, uh, those are the announcements. So, I, w- I want to recap real quick for some of you who may or may not know. We're we're in the, we're on the last um, sermon of our relationships sermon series. Okay, and so this this whole sermon series has been just get real with um, who we are and who God says that we are, and what God says that we should do because of what he's done for us, right? And so the first, the first sermon in this series was, uh, Roger preached that sermon, and it basically was just helping us to realize that we serve a real God, and he desires a real personal relationship with his children, okay? Not religion, but a personal relationship, one where you know Christ, and Christ knows you. And, and I'm willing to say the seed, and you take care of the rest. Lord, I pray that you would break our hearts this morning for a lost and broken world. Lord, I pray that that we would be encouraged, and that the fear and the anxiety of sharing truth with others would would dissolve, and that we would realize that it's not about qualifications. It's It's just... It's about you. And I pray that we would share Jesus with our community, with anyone who's around us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. So for those of you guys who want to, um, if you have a Bible, Bible app, whatever, turn to Second Corinthians. It's in the New Testament. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you're gonna get into the book of Acts, and you're gonna go to the book of Romans, and then it's gonna be First Corinthians and then 2nd Corinthians. So towards the end of your Bible, 2 Corinthians, we're going to be in chapter 5, verses 14 through 21. Verses 14 through 21. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21. I'm going to read that real quick. Verse 14 says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, not counting their trespasses, their sins against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. This one you may want to jot down, verse 20. Therefore, we, you, are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. Amen, that's right, amen. Okay, I I heard someone mention this quote a long time ago, and the longer that I've walked with Jesus, the more and more I believe it to be true. And the quote goes, something like this, you're either for Jesus or you're against Him. So that said, there, there is no neutral ground. Okay? There is no riding the fence. You're either for Him or you're against Him. And I'll take it a step further and say, because you hear this all the time, there is no such thing as a lukewarm Christian. A lukewarm Christian is no Christian at all. And that's the title of the message today. There's no such thing as a lukewarm Christian. And so I thought that it would be helpful to just start by answering the question what is a Christian? D.T. Niles said it this way Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. You see, we don't start out Christians. In fact, it's quite the opposite. We all start as sinners. We choose it. We love it. We desire it from birth. From the moment that Adam and Eve ate that fruit in the garden, all people were cursed with a sin nature. God's desire, though, is for humans to be in relationship with him problem is though we all choose sin over that relationship with God you see sin separates us from God he's holy he's righteous he's perfect he can't fellowship with sin the first part of romans chapter 6 verse 23 it states this that the wages of sin is death In other words, what sin deserves is death. Another way to put it is that the payment for our sin is death. Now, the last part of Romans 6 23, that's where it gets good, okay? So I'm gonna read the whole verse this time. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift, free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Our Lord. So we know now that our sin separates us from God and that sin we are guilty of deserves death. But instead of us having to pay the death penalty, Jesus paid it for us. His death on the cross was the only sufficient sacrifice that could satisfy God's wrath and begin to reconcile people to himself. His death paid our debt. A Christian is a person who believes that with their whole heart, with their whole mind. And when the Christian truly and genuinely believes the gospel, Jesus becomes Lord over their entire life. A Christian is someone who knows where to go to be forgiven. And once that person experiences true forgiveness, his desire is to share it with everybody. Everybody. Mary, you do a great job at that, by the way. I just want to let you know that. Okay, so here's a few examples of, of Christians you probably are familiar with. Um, and, and ones that once they met and they believed on Jesus, they went and they told the masses. All right, Apostle Peter, he's a good example, right? But I want to I make a point here. Peter was initially a very sinful man. All right, he denied Jesus after walking with him for years. He denied him three times, okay? But when he got it right, he fought for Jesus and led tons of people to him until his death, which was upside down on a cross. Martin Luther King Jr., another great example. He was a sinner, but man, when he got it right, he preached the gospel of Jesus. He preached equality for all men, and he preached true freedom for all people until his death from a bullet. And then you've got Paul, right, from the New Testament, formerly known as Saul, He was, in his own words, the chief sinner. He killed Christians thinking that he was doing God's will. But once Jesus revealed himself to Paul, his new saying was that he would take the gospel to places until there was no place left. That should be our desire, guys. No place left. Now, those were all short testimonies from well-known people you guys are all familiar with, but I, and bear with me, um, I honestly wasn't going to do this, um, we were, we were working a wreck yesterday, and, um, somebody came to me and was like, more people need to hear this, and so I thought, well, okay, we're just going to do it, um, so we changed up a little bit mid-course, but that's okay. So you guys are familiar with those people, all right? And there's a reason why I'm doing this, okay? And it's not for any other reason other than, and I'll explain it to you later, but there's a reason for me doing this, okay? So this is kind of a, a little bit of, um, I guess, my, my testimony, okay? Um, so early on, um, as a kid, uh, rough life growing up, uh, mother passed away, Uh, Father was absent most of the time, um, surrounded with just a a rough lifestyle, drugs, alcohol, all those kinds of things. Um, And uh, unfortunately, that led me down that same path, right? Um, I was a sinner um, to the core. Um, I sought out attention from all the wrong things, from all the wrong people. Um, I wanted to be accepted by all the, the wrong groups, um, by all the wrong people. And, and ultimately, that 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 life of sin, okay, and I'm not, I'm not that old, um, 36, okay, but you can do some math here real quick, and I'm just going to kind of go down the list just to share a few things with you. In June of 2002, okay, this is when all the things just t- kind of started piling up for me. Um, I got arrested for operating a motor vehicle under the influence of alcohol, drugs, due to a speeding traffic violation. I was going like 20 miles an hour over. They pulled me over. That was June 2002. July 2002, operating a motor vehicle under the influence of alcohol and drugs, second offense, due to another speeding traffic violation. Um, It was also operating under a suspended revoked driver's license. Now, July 2002, keep in mind that's the same month, um, grand theft auto burglary first degree forced entry march 2003 operating a motor vehicle under the influence of alcohol and drugs it was my third offense within about six months june 2003 al- al- alcohol intoxication in a public place november 2005 operating a motor vehicle under the influence of drugs and alcohol fourth offense Operating motor vehicle on a suspended or revoke license, second offense. Possession of marijuana, possession of drug paraphernalia, fleeing, evading police on foot, resisting arrest. February 2006, operating motor vehicle under the influence of drugs and alcohol, fifth offense. Operating motor vehicle on suspended or revoke license, third offense. Possession of drug paraphernalia, fleeing and evading police, second offense. High-speed chase through a neighborhood, May 2007, burglary, second degree. 18 counts of criminal possession of a forged instrument. May 2007, six counts of criminal possession of a forged instrument. June 2007, burglary, second degree. 19 counts of criminal possession of a forged instrument. Probation violation for felony offense. November 2008, two counts of promoting contraband into a correctional facility. And those were the ones that I was arrested for, Okay. All that ultimately led to me being arrested in 2006, Um, did a certain amount of time in a jail back home, Uh, but because of that promoting contraband charge, they shipped me to a place called Davis County, (laughs) and uh, I thought, wow, Davis County, Kentucky, so here I am. Um, That was in 2006, right? Now, I had no intention whatsoever of changing any part of my life. I want to make that clear. I had no intention. I had no desire for God. I had no desire for Christ. I, did, I wanted no part of that, okay? They often came into the jail, as we do now, which is ironic, but they would come into the jails, and they would share Christ. They would do Bible studies. You know, even inmates at times would come together and say, hey, let's start a prayer circle. And I'm like, okay, let's, you know. I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to make fun of these people. I'm going to basically try to convince them that the, what they believe is, is crazy. That was my goal, okay? It was never to go in there and to take anything from that. What I didn't know, though, is that the power of God is much, much stronger than my will or anything that I desired, okay? And so uh, it was, so I'd been there about two years, going on three And, um, I I went to a Bible study, this old man, his name was Tom Turner. He's, he's, he's gone now. Um, but I know where he is and he would come into that jail about three times a week and he would preach the same message every single time without fail. He'd look you right in your eyes and like he was kind of an intimidating old guy and he would basically just look at you and he'd say, are you going to heaven or are you going to hell? If you died tonight, you have to be able to answer that question. And so, it it just, it shook me for the first time ever, like I realized I am going to hell. Okay? For the first time ever, it was as if I realized that I was a sinner. Now, keep this in mind. I think this was a softening. I I still, I had no prior experience with the Bible. I did not know anything about Scripture. Nothing. Nothing. And I, and I asked him, I said, I, okay, you answered, we, we've got that squared away now. Like, I'm going to hell. Okay, Tom, I appreciate that. Now now help me, where do I go from here, right? And he said, I'm going to give you this Bible, and I want you to read it. I just want you to read it. And I promise you that if you get into the Word, the Word will get into you. Okay. So I, I picked the Bible up. I said, where do I start? And he flipped it over to Matthew. He just said, just start reading it. So got plenty of time on my hands, so I start reading Matthew, okay? And all this takes place in about 12 days or less. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and I get into the book of Romans, okay? And I get into the book of Romans, and I come across, and I read this verse earlier, but I come across verse 23 in chapter 6 where it says that the wages of sin is death. And for the first time in my life, it was like the pages jumped out, and and, and I felt it, I understood it. The wages of my sin, what I deserved for my sin, was death. They weren't bad decisions anymore. They weren't uh, decisions. The only reason I had any regret about anything that I'd done is because of the consequences that I would have faced. Okay, That was the only regret. But all at once, it was as if I could see Jesus hanging on that cross, and I knew that everything that I'd ever done, everything that I will ever do, was forgiven because of what Christ did on that cross. For me, it was no longer a story that other people believed. It was for me. It was personal. Now I knew that I was forgiven. And I sat there probably, gosh, I don't know, three hours, if not more, just because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to tell. Nobody in there was probably going to listen to me. And I just sat there, and all I could think of is that, like, the most freedom I've ever felt in my life. So on that day, Christ came into that detention center and changed everything, okay? That's what it looks like to be a Christian. For some, it's like that. For some, it's longer. But it's a belief that their sin is forgiven because of what Christ did on that cross. So we've got a decent grasp on what it looks like to be a Christian, okay? Our sins are forgiven because of what Jesus did. Now, I think it's important that... We know what it looks like to be a Christian, but there's also, I think, these false notions or false teachings about Christianity. I think it's important that I share those real quick. Uh, One of them is that Christians don't sin right after their conversion, okay? A lot of people will will tell you that, that, that it's possible for you to be sinless. Paul says in Scripture, though, sometimes I do what I don't want to do. John says it this way. If we say that we have no sin... We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You see, we sin every day when we fail to love and when we fail to have faith. Now, I figured it'd be a good example um, just to to show you. I was converted on that day in 2009. There's not a doubt in my mind, and there hasn't been from that point on. There's been some some periods where I question things, but I always... For whatever reason, the Holy Spirit always brings me right back to the cross. But I've not been sinless by any stretch, okay? So I shared with you earlier how God revealed himself to me and how I believed on Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. But again, I want to make it real clear, it wasn't like I became sinless, okay? So we'll just kind of fast forward about six years into my walk with Christ. Things have been going really, for the most part, really well. I mean, by that time, um, I had... A wonderful wife um we'd started having children um and for my whole life I had avoided responsibility I had avoided um difficult situations when things got hard I ran when things got hard what would I do I'd go back to what was easy for me um and so I gave into the flesh and that's what I did and so there was about a six to eight month period where I had relapsed um I became deceitful to my wife. Um, We had a mortgage account um, that had our, basically had a set amount of money in it that would pay our mortgage for X amount of months. Completely drained that, um, just trying to get my fix. Um, But what's crazy and what I love about being a true Christian is the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us will not allow us to continue on living in sin, right? So one day my wife and I were driving back home and kids in the back and she's like, what's wrong with you? And it was like I couldn't control it. Everything just came out and I confessed all of my sin. And it took a while because she had to pry some of it out of me because I'm honorary. And I'm stubborn, um, but I confessed, and it was the most freedom that I'd felt in, gosh, in a long time. Uh, It's like, finally, I can get that off my chest. And instantly, though, I knew that Christ had forgiven me. Um, But then it was like a, it was more of a reconciliation with my wife at that point. I had to gain her trust. And, you know, this is five years, six years later, and, and we're still doing that, right? We're still doing that. And that's okay because I hurt her, and I'm willing to make that right. Um, my point in sharing that with you, though, was that that was a kind of a drastic example. But there's many examples in our, in the life of a Christian where it's we sin and we repent and we run back to the cross. Right? We sin and we run back to the cross and we find forgiveness and we find no condemnation at the foot of the cross. Okay, second false notion or uh, false teaching is that it is is impossible for us to be holy, right? To, To be holy ultimately means to be set apart, okay, to be different. And I can guarantee you, brothers, sisters, that once you're washed and covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, you are holy in the eyes of God. Now, that said, it's still our duty to pursue a life of holiness, okay, We must commit to prayer. We must commit to the studying of his word. And we must live a life filled with a love for one another, right? Now, I'll give you a couple good examples. Uh, He's not here this morning because guess what he's doing? He's sharing the gospel with a whole bunch of men, right? His name's Nick Martin. You guys are familiar with him. He's a great example of what it looks like to live a holy life, to pursue holiness. When there's an opportunity to, to serve, what's he doing? He's serving. He's going against his own will, and that's what he's doing. My wife is a good example of she puts up with me. That's like I could drop it, and, and we'd, be, we'd be done. Like that's another example of, of holiness. There's tons of examples in this church of, of men and women who I know pursue holiness on a daily basis, right? That's what it, That's what we should do. Don't think that you... You can't be holy because when Christ covered you with his blood, you became holy. And now it's our job to pursue holiness with our life. Right? And you, you'll probably find out if you've not seen it already, there's 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 counterfeit Christians, right? There's there's um, just kind of a not the real deal. Right? And I think it's important that we keep an eye out for those. I think it's important that we keep an eye on our heart for these things. Um, the first one... Uh, call it the Holy Joe, right? Somebody that goes to church, they want to be seen in front of the congregation, but then the other six days of the week they live like hell. Um, to be a real Christian, you live it seven days a week, it's your life, it's who you are, right? Um, not in front of people, but when nobody's looking, right? That's what a true Christian is, not the Holy Joe. And you got the escapist, right? That's somebody who acts like they're always praying, but they always use that as an excuse to not do anything. Um, and we know who those, you know, we, we've seen that before. Somebody comes up to you and says, hey, um, I'd really like for you to, um, you know, read the Bible with me. Or I'd really like for you to um, go share a meal down at, uh, you know, the uh, St. Benedict's homeless shelter. You're like, well, you know what, I'm going to pray about it. And we've heard Roger from this pulpit say, don't pray. You just go do it, right? You don't go; you don't need to pray about those things. You just go do it. That's an excuse because you're not going to end up doing anything. There's the born Christian, right? Somebody that they've always gone to church, but they never developed a relationship. We learned a lot about that two sermons ago in Roger's real personal relationship with Christ. That's the born Christian. And you've got the hypocrite, right? That's expecting others to be perfect when you're not perfect, when I'm not perfect. But I heap these uh, unrealistic expectations on un- other people. It's like, take the plank out of your eye, buddy. Um, or the... Then you've got the legalist. Um, I think it's important not to spend a ton of time on this one, but you've got the legalist who, who wants to heap these commands and these rules up on people, right? Um, but they're not from the Bible, they might be some a ritual or some tradition from the church, um, but they're not found in the Bible. And so a legalist is somebody who would, who would heap rules on themselves or other people when they're not found in Scripture. Now, if you have a friend that comes to you in love gently and says, hey, this is what the Bible says, respond to that, right? Now, this whole... Walking with Christ, we know it doesn't stop with conversion. It's a walk, right? Um, it's a walk. It needs to be authentic. Um, it's progressive. It, there's growth involved. Okay? Now, share a little bit more with you about just kind of my relationship, I guess, with Christ. Um, you know, it's been going on now for 12 or 13 years. Um, I've tried to follow Christ to the best of my ability. Um, there's often days that I fail. Um, but today, for example, I have no business being up here as a, as a lay pastor for Matthew's Table. I have no business being a, a husband to an amazing wife and raising my children in a godly home. Um, I have no business... Um, Having a desire for the Word of God, wanting to teach it, leading our Bible study here at you know nine forty five for men. This is a plug, men nine forty five, okay, um, right down the hall there. Um, it's progressive, right? There's sins today that I hate more than I did before. Um, I've softened to the Word of God more today than I was before. Um, All those charges, this is a good example of just how there's blessings in following Christ. All those charges that were listed, some of you guys may know this if you worshiped with us a couple years ago in the old Monday Center. I shared a voicemail with you. All those charges, right, I was pardoned for those from the governor of Kentucky at at that time. Pardoned, completely not guilty. So in the eyes of man... Not guilty for those things in the eyes of God. I'm not guilty for my sin. And and what I want to share is, guys, that's the same way that Christ looks at you. If you're in Him, you're forgiven. All right, you are forgiven. Now, I'd like for um, the music team to come on up. Um, they're in the back. Don't forget to text them, Bub. <laughs> Okay, because um, we're going to be wrapping it up, but here's what I would say, okay, and you guys may be sitting there wondering, like, why did you share all this with us, okay? And my point was not to glorify my sin, my point was to glorify Jesus, but more than anything, my point is in sharing this with you, because the, the, the message today was about sharing Christ with other people, okay? And I can tell you from experience and talking with other people, one of the biggest things is, well, I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified to share Christ with others. I don't know what to say, right? That's what I hear so many people saying. Well, if my testimony is not an example of someone who has absolutely no business, none whatsoever, I am the most undeserving person, probably in this world, to be able to share the gospel with other people, okay? Undeserving. I'm not qualified. But he gave me a story, right? And it's mine. It's my story, right? But he's at the the head of it all, okay? He brought me from death to life. It's real and it's genuine, and that's what I share with other people, right? So a lot of times it's, it can be nervous to talk with other people, right, especially about the gospel. But like we heard in our passage earlier in verse 20, we're ambassadors for Christ. God makes his appeal through us, and we should implore others on behalf of Christ to be reconciled back to God, Right? If you're in Christ, you have a story. It may look different than somebody else's, okay? But at the end of the day, they're all similar. You were a sinner, lost, and Christ enters in, reveals himself, and you're forgiven. And I can tell you that if you're truly saved, and I could give you a million examples in the Scripture of where when a person encountered Jesus, when a person truly encounters Jesus, that's the first, that's what they want to go do. They want to go share him with everybody, right? Think about the, the Samaritan woman who met Jesus at the well, right? She knew that Jesus had no business whatsoever talking to her, or at least thought, right? Or at least thought that. But she walked away from there and said, that man has told me my whole life, right? And she went back to her town and she shared Christ with everybody. And I believe the word says that many believed, right? Many believed. Something else I want to encourage you with is that, and we talk about this in our small church often, we're not responsible for the results, right? We're not responsible for the results. That's what's so frustrating. We live in a society where we want to see it to the end, But here's the deal, guys. In God's kingdom, sometimes it looks like this. I I plant a seed, and I may never get to see that seed grow, okay? But I have to to trust and be confident that that seed that I planted will grow at some point. Somebody may come along and tend it, put a hoe to it, right? Put some fertilizer on it. Then God comes along, puts the water to it, and it grows, okay? It's not our job. To see it always to the end. Sometimes God blesses us and allows us to see that. And that's a glorious thing. Other times it's just plant the seed and walk away. Okay. So I I, I want to kind of end with this. Guys, we have the greatest treasure in the world. The greatest treasure in the world. Christ has come and he's forgiven you of all all your sin he set you free if you're in him why you wouldn't go share that with a lost and broken world is beyond me i have no idea he's going to be with you it says he'll be with you to the end of the age all the way through all the way through somebody else told me this before they said if you had the cure for cancer okay and you knew a person that had cancer would you not share that with them Would you not freely extend that to them? We have the cure, church. We have it. That's our job. It's to go. Maybe it's in this community. Maybe you're called to another country. Maybe, I don't know what it, but I guarantee you're called to your home. You're called to where you work. You're called to spread the gospel to those around you guys, okay? And if you're not in Christ, I would beg you, I would beg you, consider what you heard this morning. You've heard the gospel. You're a sinner. It's that simple. And you need forgiveness for your sins. And that's, that, that forgiveness is found in one place and one place only. And that's in Jesus. And if you don't believe, I would beg you, tell God that. God, I, I'm struggling. I don't believe. Come down, pray if you want, sit in your seat, pray if you want. But have that conversation, turn from that sin, and and believe on Jesus. And if you do believe in him, share it with everybody. You guys have a great rest of your morning. I love you guys. Let's all stand. Who's that one? that you can think of right now in your mind. Hey, thanks for joining us today. A special thanks to those who sow into this ministry. If you'd like to partner with us financially, text all one word, Matthew's Table, to 73256. That's Matthew's Table, to 73256. It's because of you this ministry is possible. If you like what you've heard, click the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You never know what God can do through your one act of obedience. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. God bless.